grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. We sang just a moment ago, trust not in rulers, they are but mortal, earthborn they are and soon decay. Vain are their counsels at life's last portal. When the dark grave engulfs its prey, since mortals can no help afford, place all your trust in Christ our Lord. Alleluia! Alleluia! Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, words, they're all around us. Words. Good, bad, indifferent, sometimes ugly. Words. In our gospel reading for today, Luke 19, 41 to 48, at the very end of our text, we see that people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders, wanted to get rid of Jesus. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to destroy him. But they couldn't. Because all of the people were hanging on his words. Pretty neat word picture, isn't it? To hang on someone's words. Think about it. Hanging on words. In many respects, it sums up our life. It really does. Now, as we gather here today, we are six days away from the beginning of Nebraska football. The state religion of the university or of the state of Nebraska. People for 12 months have been hanging on the words of Scott Frost, the athletic department. Every journalist that says anything positive ever about Nebraska. Yesterday it was even Urban Meyer. He's everybody's hero now. We hang on words. What do you think of the new black uniforms? Or the captains that were announced yesterday? Will Maurice Washington get to play? Do you believe the hype? Everybody is hanging on those words. And it doesn't have to be Nebraska football. Whatever your favorite team is, whatever your favorite sport is, whatever your favorite leisure or recreation activity is, we hang on those words. It has become quite popular, at least for the last four years, to hang on political words. It doesn't matter if you are Fox or CNN, MSNBC, whichever words you hang on, the other ones are fake news. We hang on the words of our president. 
Sometimes when you hear him, you turn off the TV. Other times you can't wait to get enough. What did he say this week? What did he tweet this week? Oh, we're going to build a wall. Oh, we're going to buy Greenland. Either he is the most intelligent negotiator in the world or a fool. We hang on his words and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are. R, D, I. You hang on his words to puff up or to tear down. And it doesn't stop at the White House. Hanging on those political words trickles down all the way to the local government and the local school board race. Hanging on words. What words do you hang on? Sometimes those words are of a much more personal note. We hang on the words of a doctor or a surgeon telling us the outcome or the diagnosis. We hang on the words from our boss to find out if we're going to get that raise or promotion or maybe get laid off. We hang on the words of our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our husband or our wife, our parents, our children. Sometimes those words are words of love and compassion and intimacy. Sometimes they are words of hate. Sometimes those words are words of indifference. What words are you hanging on? Maybe the answer is just more words. If we could just have more words, then we would have a better life. My friends, we live at a time when there has been more information available at the touch of a screen than ever before. People cannot put down their handheld device. Not when they drive, not when they go to school, not when they sit around the dinner table. Guess what? Guess what I see? Not even when you go to church. People think that more words is the answer. But it's not, is it? We live in an echo chamber world where we only want the words that we want. And if somebody else has words that we don't want, we shut them out. We refuse to have a conversation. Or we just zone out from all words and go on a Netflix binge. Words. We want words to give us hope and comfort and peace and life 
and salvation. We want peace. Peace of heart. Peace of mind. Peace of soul. Peace in the family. And yet the harder we want these things, the more elusive they seem. God's Word tells us there's nothing new under the sun. The situation we find ourselves in, oh yes, we may have more technology, but the situation we find ourselves in is exactly the same situation that Jesus encountered in our text. Luke 19, 41-48. It's early in Holy Week. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. Jesus looks over the situation in Jerusalem. Many people are consumed hanging on the words of their sports and recreation and leisure activity. Many people are hanging on the words of their political leaders and politics in general. Many people are hanging on the words for their own personal struggles and issues and problems. And Jesus looks out over the city and there's only one thing that he can do. He weeps. He weeps. He weeps over the city of Jerusalem. He weeps over the inhabitants of Jerusalem. My friends, our Lord and Savior Jesus weeps over us. Why did he weep then? He tells us. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. We want peace. We strive for peace. We do everything humanly possible to try to create our own peace. And we don't know what peace is or where peace comes from. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God has given us all that we are and all that we have. We take the gifts of God and we turn them into idols rather than enjoying our recreation and leisure we let it control us and consume us and we worship it rather than joyfully participating in the political process as a part of our Christian vocation we become consumed by it it consumes us. And we are ready to go to war with anybody who doesn't believe and think exactly the way we do. We look in the mirror and we assess our own life situation and we think, it's all up to me. It's all up to number one. If I don't do it, it won't get done. Did you notice anything left out of that equation? My friends, the people of Jerusalem, 
the people of Lincoln and beyond are hanging on the wrong words. If we would know what would really bring us peace, Jesus says, all these things that you cling to, that you hang on, they're temporal. They have no lasting value. Enjoy them now. Use them. Appreciate them. Give thanks to God for them. But the things of this world will all end in dust. Don't cling too tightly to them. They can't bring you peace. Not real peace. Lasting peace. In the same way that Jerusalem was destroyed, we have the temple, the temple, the temple. The things that we cling to, even the God of football, it's not going to last forever. My friends, Jesus teaches us The key to peace is in knowing God's visitation. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. My friends, if you know someone is coming over to your house, you may not be happy about it, but at least you will prepare. Why is it we cringe when somebody pulls in the driveway or walks up and rings the doorbell? We're not ready. God tells us the time of God's visitation is now. Now. Why? He wants us to prepare. Literally, He wants us to get our house in order. He wants us to hang on the right words. Guess who's coming to dinner? God! The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Second person of the Trinity. The eternal Logos. The eternal Word took on flesh and blood. He made his dwelling among us first in the womb of the Virgin Mary, then born for us and for our salvation. Jesus, true God and true man, places himself under God's condemning law, the law that condemns all of us, especially condemning us when we cling to the wrong words. Jesus fulfills the word of God for you and for me and for the entire world. Jesus, the word of God, takes all sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, all of our idols, all of our striving and a yearning after false words that give us false hope and a false peace. 
And all of the words, the sinful, hurtful, hateful words we speak. All of our sin and more onto himself and into himself. Bleeding and dying on Jesus Christ. This is the visitation that God has given us. He has visited us in order to save us. From the cross, Jesus speaks a word to you. It is finished. Your sin, all of your sin, has been paid for by the bloody death and three days later the glorious resurrection of Jesus. The word now that screams inside and outside the church, He is risen! He is risen indeed for you and for the life of the world. The word comes to you in the waters of holy baptism. You are adopted into his family. God speaks his word into you, your ear and into your heart and into your soul. His word gives life. His word changes and amends our sinful life. My friends, all that we have all that we are, all that we truly love and treasure and appreciate in this world is a gift from God. If God has loved us so much that He would give us everything, including His kingdom, if God would love us so much that He would give us eternal life through the gift of His Son. Wouldn't we want to listen to what He has to say? Wouldn't we want to hang on His words? Because His words are different than the world's words or the words from my sinful heart. My friends, today, it is a good question for each of us to ask ourselves. What words are we hanging on? What words are we clinging to as if they are life and death. Perhaps the familiar words from our liturgy should be the words for us today. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. May God bless us that we hang on His words today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our words in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.